Good evening, everyone. My name is Marty Shaw, and welcome back to a new episode of Murders and Mysteries in New England. Tonight's episode focuses on another New England state. A state in which some people call the end of the world for its distance and general emptiness. While Maine may be considered non-existent to those outside of New England, it is still a beautiful state with many state parks and lots of places to explore. But even in this glorious state, disappearances and murders still occur. Tonight, we will be taking a look at the disappearance of Ayla Bell Reynolds. Just a quick warning to my listeners, this episode will talk about possible child abuse and the death of a child. If you or someone you know is in an abusive relationship, please reach out to a trusted friend, family member, or medical professional. No one deserves the abuse, and no one deserves the trauma that comes with the abuse. Ayla Bell Reynolds was only 20 months old when she disappeared from her Waterville home December 17, 2011. My sources say she disappeared between the hours of 8 p.m. of December 16th and 8 a.m. December 17th, the day she was reported missing. She was the daughter of Trista Reynolds and Justin DePietro, who although aren't living together, co-parented Ayla. She was 2 feet and 9 inches tall, or 30 centimeters, and weighed 30 pounds, or about 13 kilograms. She had strawberry blonde hair with blue eyes. Before Ayla went missing, she was placed in the care of DiPietro after her mother placed herself in rehab for a heroin addiction. Reynolds intended for Ayla to be placed in the care of her sister, but after DiPietro and his family pleaded their case to the Department of Human Services, or the DHS, Ayla was instead placed in his care. The representative for the DHS was a relative of DiPietro's mother, Phoebe, which in my opinion doesn't seem like such a good idea, especially considering the DHS representative missed a crucial step with Ayla's case. The DHS representative did not follow standard practice, which includes doing a home visit to ensure the home is suitable for the child. While in rehab, Reynolds found out about this and was not happy about the change of care for Ayla. Reynolds feared for her child's safety, which any good mother would do. Two instances occurred that made Reynolds believe Ayla was not safe in the care of DiPietro. November 11th of 2011, about a month before the disappearance, Ayla came home with a broken arm after a visit with DiPietro. When asked about this incident, DiPietro claimed he slipped and fell while carrying Ayla into the house, falling on top of the child and breaking her arm. However, he did not seek medical treatment for the child in the aftermath, and it took her coming back to Reynolds to seek medical treatment for the broken arm. Another incident, which I could not find any dates for, occurred in which Ayla came home with bruises on her body after a visit with DiPietro. Reynolds asked for an explanation to the bruises, and DiPietro claimed there was an accident in the ball pit of the Chuck E. Cheese. We later find out there was no ball pit in the Chuck E. Cheese DiPietro took Ayla to. If he loved his daughter and didn't want her to be taken away by DHS or give full custody to Reynolds, why lie about situations that can quickly be proven false? While in the care of DiPietro, Reynolds checked herself out of rehab early to try and get custody of her daughter back. The DiPietro family refused to give custody of Ayla back to Reynolds making excuses such as Ayla being too busy to talk with her mother. Seems suspicious to me, at least in my personal opinion. But, while in the care of DiPietro, Reynolds began to receive bold messages from DiPietro, such as, quote, you'll never see Ayla again. On December 15th of 2011, 
Just two days before the disappearance, Reynolds filed for custody of Ayla. She wanted to get Ayla out of a possible dangerous situation, but it seemed to be too late for that. On December 16th into the 17th, around the time of the disappearance, three people were at the home Ayla stayed at. DePietro himself, his girlfriend Courtney Roberts, and his sister Alicia DePietro. His mother, Phoebe DePietro, owned the house but was not there at the time. Three children were also home at the time of the disappearance, with one child even sharing a room with Ayla at the time. DePietro claimed to have put Ayla to bed at around 8 p.m. December 16th, and at 8.51 on December 17th, DePietro dialed 911 to report Ayla as missing. The disappearance itself strikes me as odd, as Ayla shared a room with another small child, yet this other child was not also reported missing. A week after DePietro made the call on December 17th, detectives searched the home. While they did not find Ayla or a body, they did find enough evidence to believe the story of the abduction didn't quite add up. Detectives found blood equaling to a cup, suggesting something happened to Ayla and she was in fact not abducted. Detectives believed she did not survive the incident, whether it was an abduction or a murder, as blood was found in the basement of DePietro's home. Blood and saliva were also found on DePietro's shoes and in his car, as well as evidence suggesting someone tried to clean up blood in the area. My sources also say there was evidence suggesting at least one of the adults in the house at the time caused severe injuries that possibly led to Ayla's death, as well as possible attempts to remove a body from the home and hide it in an unknown location. With this information, investigators ruled out any and all possibilities that Ayla could have been abducted. With a missing child and blood evidence, the search was on for detectives. Pressure was put on DePietro, as he did not speak about Ayla's disappearance for three weeks after she disappeared. This led to Reynolds accusing DePietro of hiding information that could lead to a conclusion about what happened to Ayla. DePietro did eventually take a polygraph test, but neither he nor the spokesperson for the Maine State Police will say what the results were. This brings up suspicion in the case on my end. If DePietro failed the polygraph test, why would they hide the fact that he lied about any information regarding Ayla? If DePietro did pass the polygraph test, wouldn't they want to let the public know that DePietro was telling the truth about Ayla the entire time and he could be ruled out as a possible suspect? I personally do not know a lot about what goes on during a polygraph test, but this does seem a little suspicious to me. One month after the disappearance of Ayla, a candlelight vigil was held in Waterville. DePietro was seen attending the vigil and was the first one to leave, but refused to talk to the media about this. In 2012, almost a year after Ayla disappeared, Reynolds held a four-mile walk in Waterville in May of 2012 and in Portland in June of 2012 to keep the attention on the case and to help spread awareness about the missing child. On the month of the one-year anniversary of Ayla's disappearance, searches in southern New Hampshire and Mayfield, Maine occurred, but turned up nothing. The Maine State Police, 
the main warden services, and the Waterville police would not stop until Ayla was found. Buttons, t-shirts, flyers, and other goods were delivered around the Waterville area to bring awareness to Ayla's disappearance. Businesses in the Waterville area sent an award for $30,000 for information leading to either Ayla or remains. The Mesolonsky stream was artificially lowered so that investigators could search for any evidence, and the Kennebec River was searched, but nothing turned up. There was, however, a possible clue that might have led to the whereabouts of Ayla. An unidentified baby doe was found on the shore of Deer Island in Massachusetts, and many believed this baby doe was the missing Ayla. The baby doe was believed to have been anywhere from three to five years old, similar to Ayla's age, but I could not find if there were other similarities between the baby doe and Ayla. However, the baby doe was eventually excluded from possibly being Ayla, and was instead found to be Bella Bond, another missing child. This child we will definitely take a look at in another episode of Murders and Mysteries. Ayla Reynolds was declared legally dead on May 30th of 2017, six years after she went missing. Two years after Ayla was declared legally dead, in 2019, Reynolds filed a wrongful death lawsuit against DiPietro, citing that he caused Ayla's death through, quote, intentional wrongful actions, end quote, and caused, quote, pre-death pain, fright, terror, and physical injuries, end quote. At the point of this lawsuit, DiPietro's whereabouts were unknown, but DiPietro was deposed for the lawsuit in 2021 the 10-year anniversary of Ayla's disappearance. This means that, after 10 years of not speaking to the media on the case of his missing daughter, DiPietro will be interviewed about what happened that night and onwards. DiPietro's lawyer believes there was not enough evidence to suggest that DiPietro had anything to do with Ayla's disappearance. Police have not named any suspects in this case, and the investigation remains open with the hopes of finding out what happened to Ayla Bell Reynolds. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed researching and writing about it. While there may not be suspects and the whereabouts of Ayla are still unknown, I will keep her family in my thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving it a rating on the streaming service that you're listening to this on, and stay tuned for the next episode where we will continue to discuss murders and mysteries in New England. Have a great evening.